0: to everyone around the world, and a warm welcome to another edition of Veritas at VeritasRadio.com. I'm your host, Mal Fabregas, and I sincerely thank you for joining me once again. And if this is your first time, or your truth journey brought to you here, welcome home. And if you want to listen to every part of tonight's show, you know what to do by now. Go to VeritasRadio.com and subscribe. You can choose three months all the way to years, and you'll get your login immediately, and we'll have access to hundreds and hundreds of hours of truth. And if you want to give your life an upgrade, go to SanitasRadio.com and find out what we have to offer there. You will not be disappointed. I guarantee it. Now, for those of you who want to reach me, want to write to us, you want to be a guest on this radio program, or want to offer suggestions or have questions or feedback, I always love to hear from you. Just click on the contact button of our website. Classified space programs have been an integral part of a complex jigsaw puzzle concerning UFOs, extraterrestrial life, ancient civilizations, and advanced aerospace technologies, which have long defied any coherent understanding. Now, finally, we have something to put all the pieces together with the disclosures of secret space program whistleblowers. A detailed investigation of insider testimonies reveals the big picture of a parallel world of secret space programs and extraterrestrial alliances. Tonight we'll discuss how the real Nazi flying saucer programs in the 1930s gave birth to the Dark Fleet, how Operation Paperclip scientists both helped and hindered the development of the U.S. Navy's Solar Warden, how the MJ-12 Group was behind the creation of the interplanetary corporate conglomerate, and how Ronald Reagan was instrumental in the creation of the Global Galactic League of Nations space program. The full disclosure of secret space programs and extraterrestrial alliances will unshackle the chains of deception, holding humanity back from reaching its highest potential as galactic citizens. This is all included in a new book titled Insiders Reveal Secret Space Programs and Extraterrestrial Alliances, authored by tonight's special guest and veteran of this radio program, Dr. Michael Sala, an internationally recognized scholar in international politics, conflict resolution, and U.S. foreign policy with a Ph.D. in government from the University of Queensland, Australia. Dr. Sala is a pioneer in the development of exopolitics, the study of the main actors, institutions, and political processes associated with extraterrestrial life. He is the founder of of the ExoPolitics Institute and the ExoPolitics Journal. And to learn more about Dr. Michael Sala and his work, and purchase all his books, go to exopolitics.org, which is also linked at ours. And directly from Kalapana, Hawaii, I would like to welcome Dr. Michael Sala. Hello, Michael, and welcome back to Veritas.
1: Aloha, Mel. Great to be back.
0: Always, always a pleasure. I can't believe I was looking at the calendar, and the last time we had you on was 2013. Where did three years go? felt like uh, I spoke with you yesterday.
1: Yes, well, uh, congratulations on uh, having, I think, what is it, your your ninth season now? Eighth, uh, eighth season. Eighth Eighth season. season. That's, That's great. So much information you put out there, and I'm very happy to be a part of that.
0: Absolutely, and you were part from the very, very beginning. I think you were one of the very first programs that, that we did. But let me begin this interview, Michael, with a question coming from an, an open-minded skeptic. In your book, you, you think and cite a number of whistleblowers. If our government, or as the late Senator Daniel Inouye used to say, the secret government beyond ours, if these whistleblowers are speaking out and nothing happens to them... How do we know they're not making things up or perhaps are this information or this information ages logic tells me that and this is just my humble opinion that if any information they're sharing could compromise the elite fill in the blanks the powers that want to be since they allegedly have advanced technology and weaponry to silence them. How is it that they still are able to disclose all of this unimpeded your comments about this.
1: Uh, sure, Mel. Well, uh, leaking uh, information is uh, a long-term uh, technique used by various bureaucracies that are at war with one another or that have competing interests. Um, you, you go back to the uh, Daniel Ellsberg uh, leaking of the Pentagon Papers, um, and uh, and some say that that was a, a, an effort by the CIA to taint the Pentagon. Um, so it's it's not just a matter of a whistleblower releasing uh, top-secret information. Um, you've got to look at, well, what institution is behind that whistleblower that has enabled him or her to come forward with that information? And what we're getting now with the Secret Space Program whistleblowers is a, a lot of whistleblowers coming up with uh, information uh, that uh, they have experienced directly uh but they are being supported uh unofficially uh or behind the scenes at least by uh various branches of the u s military uh because uh, according to my research uh the u s military is the the main institution in the United States that has the most to lose um by the process of globalization whereby Elite entities uh, that are embedded within transnational corporations uh, are interna- internationalizing their power and resources. And in doing so, uh, they are basically putting together what eventually will be a world army. And in the process, the US military will eventually be eclipsed and, um, in the long term, eliminated. And I believe that uh, the people in the US military are aware of this. And uh, so they are authorizing their military uh, their whistleblowers to come forward to expose what's been going on.
0: Why would we need a world army if there's not a threat from above unless the threat is you and I, if you will?
1: Um, I think uh, the people uh, well, let's kind of identify, you know who really is running the show here, and I, I think uh, you and most of the audience would agree that uh, transnational or, uh, corporations that are uh, that have unbounded influence in terms of uh, resources, wealth, penetration into government government institutions, religious institutions, universities. The corporatocracy. Exactly. Yes, the corporatocracy. That uh, these organisations are really. A, All about accumulating power, and uh, they are the ones that basically want to create what eventually will be a world army under a new world government uh, which they secretly manipulate behind the scenes. So, just as the United States government uh, currently is. pretty thoroughly controlled by uh, US-based corporations that dictate how Congress uh, passes legislation and uh, influences the policymaking process as far as the the executive branch of government is concerned. They want to replicate that at a global level so that they have a one-world army, a kind of uh, uh, pretty close to a one-world government. And I think that this is the way in which uh, this uh, corporatocracy Uh, wants to to really run the show.
0: But if we have a one-world military, right now we have the U.S., we have Russia, we have China, you know, the big players. In the future, if we have regions, the the East versus the West, at least you can put them to fight against each other. But if we have a one-world military, who would be their adversary if it's a unified military for the world?
1: Well, I think this is uh, gets into the disclosure issue um, as as long as uh, uh, people can be motivated uh, to work as hard as they can uh, to basically al- allow the corporatocracy to uh, produce the goods that they desire to build and accumulate the profits that they that they want are uh, they going to always find ways to motivate people to work harder um, and to kind of like really um, frighten them into surrendering their liberties uh, so that whatever agenda the corporatocracy has can be realized. And they've been playing a lot of cards along the way. Um, you know, currently, the big card is uh, terrorists, international terrorism, as we well know. And I, I think uh, Carol Rosen hit the nail on the head when she said uh, that uh, Werner von Braun was a party to these high-level uh, corporate discussions about a range of threats that would be sequentially presented to the to the world population uh, that would go through uh, things that we've seen, such as the Cold War. Uh, then there'll be terrorism. After terrorism, there'll be the the threat from meteoroids, asteroids type thing, and then eventually there'll be extraterrestrial.
0: the last card.
1: Exactly, the, the the final card will be the extraterrestrial card, and that'll be the one that that really enables uh, corporations. I think if they, you know, the way they plan to play that card in terms of like a um, a false alien invasion, to to really accumulate um, unparalleled power globally, where you would have something like a a one world government, a one world uh, army that is really all about the corporatocracy, uh, concentrating power and influence in world institutions so that uh, they can manipulate humanity uh, for whatever purpose they want. And the extraterrestrial threat will be a means for them to do that.
0: I'm thinking of uh, the speech that Ronald Reagan gave in 1987, which I used to have on this radio program for many years. But, you know, in our obsession with antagonisms of the moment, we often forget how much unites all the members of humanity. Perhaps we need some outside universal threat to make us recognize this common bond. I occasionally think how quickly our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. Wouldn't that be the slogan for that unified factor for the militarization of the world because we're fighting an exterior force that only a unified planet can fight?
1: Precisely, yes. That is a very important actual statement by Reagan. And as, of course he made it several times as well as at the United Nations General Assembly. But the thing to keep in mind is that just only a couple of years, only a few years after he started making those comments, uh, you had the end of the Cold War and you had unparalleled cooperation uh, between the uh, f- the former Soviet Union and the United States. Um, and uh, this was very significant because for a short period of time um, at the end of the Cold War, uh, there, there was this unparalleled cooperation at an international level. And I think what many people don't really appreciate is just how significant... Uh, Reagan's statement was for that cooperation uh, that uh, this really behind the scenes was responsible for something that uh, I discuss in the book and that you mentioned earlier in terms of a a global galactic league of nations secret space program but I believe that uh, Reagan's comments uh, was a, a powerful stimulus for the world's nations to come together behind the scenes to collaborate on joint ventures in space, because they tr- truly believe that uh, Reagan was correct that there was an outside alien threat, and if and if Reagan and the people that brief Reagan can can fool or manipulate. Um, international statesmen behind the scenes to collaborate in setting up a a Global Galactic League of Nations space program, I think it's pretty clear that uh, once they unleash this alien threat to the global public, it'll be a a very easy sell for them, or at least they think so.
0: I have uh, heard from John Lear that there's a secret fleet of space shuttles. But again, knowing that the technologies from the 1970s or 60s actually, makes me wonder why they would have space shuttles when I'm sure they have anti gravitic or electromagnetic spacecraft. But about the space shuttle, have you seen the alleged photogra- photographs of six out of these seven Challenger astronauts that supposedly died who may, in fact, be alive today? Have you seen that?
1: Uh, no, no, I haven't, Mel. Um, but as far as uh, this secret uh, fleet of uh, Space shuttles is concerned. I I think that uh, that's absolutely correct. That uh, there has been uh, capacity for the United States to to place um, fleets of uh, shuttles into near Earth orbit uh, to service a number of uh, hidden or cloaked space programs or, or space stations in space. And uh, you know, there's a there's a very famous passage in Ronald Reagan's uh, diaries in 1985 where he says he had lunch with five. Uh, Scientist that told him about um, America's capacity to place uh, 300 people in orbit. So, this is in 1985. Now, the space shuttle, um, as we know it, uh, only went into operation in 1981, and there were only five operational space shuttles built, and they could carry out a maximum of 10. So, obviously, Reagan was talking about some other program. He was talking about the secret uh, space shuttle program that was run by the US military, and in particular, it was run by the, the Air Force, the US Air Force and the National Reconnaissance Office. Those two entities have been primarily responsible for the development of uh, space stations in near-Earth orbit and in the deployment and the monitoring of traffic uh, coming into and out of, um, out of the Earth. There is a division of labor in terms of uh, various branches of the military performing functions, but it's the Air Force and the NRO that are in charge of that fleet of uh, secret space shuttles and the cloaked space stations in orbit around the Earth.
0: And by the way, what I mentioned about the Challenger astronauts, anybody can go to Google and find it. And I'm not saying that whatever you find on Google is true. You have to have your own discernment. But take a look at just type... Challenger Astronauts Alive, and you'll see six out of the seven will have a picture next to the original ones and the one from now, and if you click on it, it'll tell you what they're doing today. Even some of them are professors at reputable universities using their own names. So anyway, just wanted to put that out there, but in, here's a question I ask most guests who discuss space, and, and no one seems to answer, Michael, about our spacecraft spacecraft. That we have, what do what do they push against once they make it, you know, outside of our our gravitational forces? If space is a vacuum, I'm talking about NASA propulsion, not the classified anti-gravitic technologies that that we may have secretly been developing, you know, by the military corporate entities, and are being kept from the public, you know, for over seventy years. But what do we use in order to push against once you're outside of of our atmosphere?
1: Uh, sure. Well, I, I think you're referring to the kind of Newtonian principle of uh, uh, propulsion by a force is ejected in terms of uh, uh, highly accelerated gases that enable a craft to be propelled forward. Um, this is something that uh, is certainly part of the, the secret space programs that have been set up um, in terms of what I just mentioned uh, with the Air Force and the NRO maintaining uh, fleets of uh, secret space shuttles and uh, space stations in orbit around the Earth um, those do use uh, kind of more conventional propulsion systems that do do use that kind of Newtonian principle of uh, equal and opposite reaction, where you you have the the, the liquid propellants being thrust out. Um, as far as anti-gravity technologies are concerned, uh, those are used for more sophisticated uh, space programs that are that are run by the by the U.S. Navy, and uh, these uh programs use different principles uh such as gravity reduction and um and also uh an ability to uh lock on to gravity fields generated by distant bodies so that uh so that there can be a thrust delivered to a spacecraft that whose gravity has been reduced to oh, sorry whose mass has been reduced uh to to some kind of negligible so that uh, any thrust that, that that spacecraft has is going to propel it through space at a very highly accelerated um, uh, velocity.
0: And that makes a lot of sense. But even when you watch science fiction, you know, Battlestar Galactica, Star Wars, you see these spacecraft always with fire coming out of their engines and pushing forward. And I've always wondered, I'm not a scientist, but it does not make sense to me to have that type of technology flying across the universe, unless as you...
2: Thank you for listening. To unlock the full two-hour interview, including video formats, downloads, transcripts, exclusive articles, and more, subscribe to Veritas Plus now